You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I believe that God is here with us today, brothers and sisters. And as we're about to wrap up this series in James, Back to Work, we have today and we have next week. But I think we're in for a treat today because we're going to talk about this wonderful topic of prayer. We're going to dive into that one element that we have, that secret weapon that the church has to truly make a difference in the world. And it is prayer. There are a lot of churches doing a lot of things fancy. And I'm going to suggest Ridgecrest Baptist Church that we don't get fancy. We just get on our knees in prayer. Amen. And we begin to believe that God's going to start shaking things up around here, not with our cleverness, but with his divine power. So if you have your copy of scripture, will you stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's word? We are in James 5, beginning in verse 13. We begin with the series of questions. Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? (laughs) Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a spirit and nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Let's pray. Lord, we need the rain of revival to fall on Ridgecrest today. Lord, we want to see fruit born here at Ridgecrest today. And we want this, Lord, not for ourselves, not for vainglory. We want this so, Lord, your gospel will be proclaimed. We want to be a light unto the nations, and we want to be a congregation overflowing with love. Let it be so today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. title of the sermon today is, Do You Believe? In the power of prayer. Let me ask, do you believe in the power of prayer? I thought you might say that, but how often are you praying? Because it's one thing to say, I believe in the power of prayer. And it's another thing to have a vibrant, life-giving prayer life. Now, as a confession to you, if you're in this congregation and you're saying, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting way to start the sermon. And, and also when you hear this, there were many years as a pastor of churches that my prayer life was lackluster. It wasn't that I wasn't praying. It's just that I didn't have consistency and intimacy with God like I needed. 
That's why I think it's really hard for a young man to be a senior pastor of a church because it's rare that young, young people can really get a hold of this. I've seen it happen. It can happen. But I'm here to tell you it's hard. And it's hard because I've known a lot of people that have been in church all of their lives. And when it comes right down to it and you ask them and they're honest about their prayer life and prayer consistency, well, it's not much of a prayer life and it's not that consistent. Look there at verse 13. Is there anyone among you suffering? And of course, I know that's true. I know that in a group like this, there are people who brought in with them some deep, deep concerns, whether they're physical or spiritual or emotional. When we hear that question, though, many of us will answer with that one word, fine. I'm fine. Are you suffering? Are you hurting? No, I'm fine. I've decided that is the Baptist cop-out, maybe the evangelical cop-out for really being intimate when it comes to prayer. We just tell people we're fine when we're not. James is asking us rhetorical questions because he knows that we have rhetorical answers. And he wants us to not continue to give the stock answers to profound questions. These are profound questions, and yet we often just give the stock answer. Let me say this. There is no greater power harnessed by natural human beings than the power of prayer. We are not powerless in this world. The problem is is that we're often prayerless, and that's why we feel powerless. If we had prayer in its proper place, then we would have power all in this place. You see, it's that simple and it's that hard. It is so simple to say, yes, pastor, we need to, I need to pray more. But it's so hard when we leave this room and we leave the conviction of the moment to continue in prayer. All people have equal access to prayer's endless possibilities. I want you to believe that. I want you to hear that, and I want you to believe that. You don't have to be a person with reverend in front of your name. You do not need to be a Sunday school teacher, an elder, a deacon, or any title at all. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are in Christ, you have equal access to the power of prayer. And so every single person in this room, I just took your excuses out from underneath you. You can be a prayer warrior and a mighty servant of God just because you are in Christ Jesus. You know, John Bunyan in his famous work, Pilgrim's Progress, has a little book, a little excellent book called Prayer. I highly recommend it. Uh, He's readable. Some of the Puritans, not so much, but he is readable. He says that prayer is the opener, I love this, it is the opener of the heart of God and a means by which the soul, though empty, is filled. God wants to open you to his power. He wants to fill you. And the truth is that many of us, even professing Christians, we feel empty most of the time because we have not allowed the opener of the heart, prayer, to take over us. Let Jesus open your heart. He goes on to say that prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate, pouring out of the heart and soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit.
That's a triune God kind of statement there. In other words, when we pray, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are working in us to change the world. We have this power. Let me say this. The frequency and fervency of your prayers tells you everything you need to know about your spiritual health. You can take spiritual inventories. You can go and talk to a counselor. But I'm telling you, the best way for you to get the pulse of where you are with Jesus is to be honest about your prayer life or lack thereof. Man, we know how to fret, church, but do we know how to pray? We know how to fret. We've got the anxious thing down pat, Baptist. It's time we started believing in the power of prayer. Your anxieties and your worries are real, but God's power is greater. And if I do that again, I'm going to break this thing. Wouldn't that be something? My preacher can break his pulpit, can yours? I can just hear you saying it this way. It seems to me that prayer is the last resort for the spiritually immature and the first recourse of the heart right with God. I want you to realize that when prayer is an afterthought, again, I'm not here saying you're an immature Christian, but when prayer is your, your last resort, that means you are not where you need to be with God. When prayer is, is, is kind of like the Hail Mary at the end of the game, then you've missed the whole theology of prayer. And let, let me just talk about that word theology for a moment. Too often we think of theology as a word that means that we've studied and we know all these things about God. But I read this morning, just this morning, this beautiful quote, theology is union with God in prayer. So here's the deal. Theology isn't about reading all the books and having all the knowledge. Theology is when your heart is enmeshed with God. So let's think about that today and let's begin to have a desire to go on a quest to be enmeshed with God in prayer. So let's talk about the life of prayer. In verses 13 and 14, we have those rhetorical questions and obviously we are exhorted to go and ask for prayer, specifically here from the elders. In the Protestant tradition, I think that sometimes we really struggle with church history, specifically with the old, old school stuff like the monastics and go way back. Um, One of the earliest Christian biographies was written by Athanasius about St. Anthony. And I recommend that book to you too, but I just want to say this. It's a hard book for Baptists to read, and here's why. Because in the, life of, of, in the life of Anthony by Athanasius, which you can get that all twisted up, can't you? But anyway, um, what we see here is a man who believed in the power of prayer and was willing to take on the devil and the demons himself. And we as Baptists, we look at, oh man, that's something more for a Pentecostal to read. Let me tell you something. The devil is real. Demons are demonic and they're destroying lives. And one of the things we're going to have to start doing is, is realizing that we can't rationalize people out of hell. But if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we will see people saved. And we need to believe again in the power of God. When we see all the obstacles in front of us, we have a tendency to give up before we ever get started. But when we read the saints of old, we see that they prayed up and they were powerful in the Spirit. I want you to think about what you could be. 
because too few of us are in good enough spiritual shape to take on a daily habit of prayer, much less to take on the prince of darkness. If you don't have enough strength to take, take on a daily habit of prayer, don't think for a minute you can take on Satan himself. The problem is Satan. The problem is the demonic. The problem is sin. Those are big problems that only big prayers can overcome. The prayers of God's people faithfully believing. In verses 13 and 14, we see the life of prayer. It has a multiplicity of angles. If anyone is suffering, if anyone is cheerful, if anyone among you is sick. Notice how it covers kind of all the bases the answers in turn are we are to pray, we're to sing praise, and we're to call for the elders of the church and let them pray over us. That word suffering is a word that points to emotional anguish. It's a reminder that we do sometimes. We, it's not necessarily physical. And yeah, it has a spiritual component, but that word suffering means that we're emotional beings, that, that sometimes our hearts are heavy and broken we, we need help in every way, church, and there's nothing wrong with us saying that. One of the greatest steps towards spiritual maturity for each of us is to just acknowledge what we need from God. And we acknowledge that with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and then God is able to move and to change and to help us. But notice also that there's a time to pray even when we're cheerful. It says, let him sing praise. Uh, in other words, it's always a good day to pray. But I want to say this to you. I think the hardest time to pray is sometimes on that sunny day. When, when, when things are going well, when you're emotionally relatively stable, when, when church is going okay, there's no big issues at church, when physically, you know, you don't have any major physical problems, you're just kind of going through life and we put it in that gear and we just go and we forget to pray. But I think that James is telling us that even on good days, make sure that you're praying. And here's the good news, Rich. Here's the good news, those of you who love music. Often that prayer can be a song. We come in here and we learn good songs. Why? Because those can be our prayers to God on the good days. Have you ever had one of those days, though, when you just couldn't sing? I remember that I used to go home and my dog, um, you know, I, I, I've tortured my dog. I can't believe my dog is still alive because I used to come home on, 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 for lunch Monday through Friday and I would just be happy and singing. And I remember a time when, when, when my song was gone. And, and that dog just kind of looked at me like, normally you're singing. And, I, you know, I, I know dogs aren't necessarily, my dog's certainly not that smart. She's just smelly. But she looked at me, and it was just like she knew something was wrong. Listen, there are days when you have a song unto God, and that can be your prayer. And there are days when you don't have the song, but you need to be pouring out your, your prayers to God in tears. Whatever it is, make sure you pray. Notice that the power of prayer can even heal. We are exhorted here to, to, when we're sick, to reach out to the elders of the church and let them pray over to anoint us. Notice this, that the power is in the Lord. It's not, the elders don't have special power, but the initiative comes from you. You have to ask for it. Okay, so, so the elder is just in the middle. Someone asks for it, God gives the power, and the elder in the middle is just being faithful to pray. But that's one of the roles of elders is that we pray. We pray believing that God can heal. 
A person of faith can't fail to seek God when pain is present. So we've already said we have to pray on the sunny day. We also have to pray when pain is present. In fact, we just need to pray as though we're breathing. Prayers need to be like breathing. We must learn to do it without being conscious of starting it or stopping it. The life of prayer needs to be like taking a breath. Sometimes, like right now, I'll go, I've got to breathe. I've got to remember. can't just talk. I've got to breathe. But most of the time, I just breathe. And when you're walking with Jesus as you ought to, there are times when you have to take in the deep breath of prayer, and there are times when you're just praying because it's your habit, it's who you are. That's the life of prayer, and it covers all circumstances. Now look at, the, at prayer and healing and forgiveness. Let's take a look at this, our second point, verses 15 and 16a. And the prayer of faith will save one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. I believe in the power of prayer. Do you? Forgiveness of our sins and healing of our brokenness in any way, those are God things. In verse 15, the word forgiven, and in verse 16, the word heal are what we call divine passives. In other words, we're not forgiving ourselves and we're not healing ourselves, but God does the forgiving and God does the healing. God wants us to join with him in prayer, but we need to realize that it is God who does the work. We do not take credit for it. We don't say, well, I'm such a great prayer warrior that when I pray, God does this. No. Who knows why God will answer one prayer and not another, but it's God's power, not ours. Friends, we need more God things in our lives. We don't need more of us. Our power is so limited. When I realize how weak we are, how weak I am, that's motivation to pray more. Now, in verse 15, it speaks of the the sick again. And this is, again, going back to verse 14. Is there any among you sick? I want us to just for a second think about this. In James's day, people viewed all sickness as spiritual. Today, because of modern medicine, we don't think of any sickness as spiritual. We think of it all as physical. Dan Doriani, a great scholar and thinker, says we need to find a middle ground there. Because the scriptures are filled with instances where spiritual problems and physical sickness are linked. Real quick, I know you'll remember all these. Luke 5.20, John 5.14, 1 Corinthians 11.30, Acts 12, Proverbs 3.28-35, Deuteronomy 28.58-63, Ezekiel 18.1-29. You got them? Okay, so those are just a smattering of the verses that say there is a correlation between sickness... And sin. We need to understand that there is always the possibility that our problems are deeper than physical and require more than a checkup at the MD. We must begin to realize listen, if we're going to pray for people to get better, then we need to believe that God has power over sickness. We don't have to get crazy with this. We just have to take the Bible at its word and believe in the power of prayer. We just pray and we trust the Lord. There's nothing mystical. There's nothing I bring. I don't have the ability to heal anybody, but I believe that God answers prayers. My job isn't to figure it out. Neither is it your job to figure it out. It's just our job to be faithful and pray. That's what we hear in this passage. And the prayer of faith, verse 15, will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
Let me tell you something. God is in the business of raising up people who are down low. And I'm not talking about sick in the bed with COVID. I'm not talking about sick with cancer. I'm talking about some of you who are here this morning with heart sickness, emotional burdens. You are down, but you don't have to stay down. If you will turn to the Lord, if you will allow him to work. Now notice another component in verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So a part of the equation is we are honest with God and with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ about our struggles. And then God begins to work. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Amen. He is good at doing that. But many times we're not receiving forgiveness because we are not confessing. Who knew that it's not just about going to the doctor, but sometimes if we are sick at heart and sick physically, maybe it's because we haven't been in the altar in so long and we're carrying the burdens of those sins and we are weighed down, not just spiritually, but even physically. Boy, what's going on in here will affect what's going on in here. We know that, right? We know that that a depressed spirit often leads to a physical component. And we know this stuff. I mean, modern science doesn't disagree with this. I'm not talking some kind of craziness here. This is all just kind of observable facts of the human condition. And here the word of God is being very honest with us and telling us what the matter is, but we're not doing anything to fix it. And what do we need to do? Surrender in prayer. Go to the elders from time to time with your concerns and have them pray over you. Just confess your sins. Church, uh, sin confessing church will be a praying church full of power. You want the power of God? Then leave your sins at the altar. You want to see revival? Then confess your sins and nail them to the cross and bear them no more. You're not going to know the power of God if you carry around the sins of your heart. When revival comes... The Spirit will bring healing to this place, body, mind, and soul. Are you ready? How can we achieve such great power in prayer? I know when I, pray, when I preach like this, it's like, well, you know, it's not that I disagree. I just don't know that it's me. I don't know that I can be a prayer warrior. Some of you have been in the church for decades and you say, well, my gift is not prayer. Listen, this is one thing I believe that is not a specific gift in the sense that only a couple of us have it. I believe that we are all called to pray and we don't need to be eloquent. We don't need to be educated. We just need to be consistent. God doesn't need flowery words. He doesn't need multi uh, uh, syllabled expressions. What he needs is you to be genuinely in love with him and pouring your heart out to him. So when's the last time that happened? We don't need super saints. We just need some righteous folk to stand up and be counted. Why do I say that? Look at the verse with me here. Verse 16b, so notice it has two sentences. Let's pick up that second sentence. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he goes into Elijah. So you're like, okay, a righteous person. I think we can do that. I can can be obedient to God. I'll do my best to do that. And then he says, oh, and be like Elijah. And everybody goes, I'm tapping out there. (laughs) That's not what James meant. 
James, James would be defeating his purpose if he puts a super saint there and says, oh, by the way, you're not a super saint. The point of the illustration that James gives is this, is that Elijah was able to change the world and he was a human being just like you and me. That's God's word saying he wasn't anything special, but what was special is that he surrendered to a life of prayer. You can do it too. But the only difference between Elijah and us is that Elijah was more fervent in his prayer life than we are. And if we'll get that down, Pat, we will be mighty men and women of God. Are you a person who is serious about obeying God? And I would say most of you are. But the question is, if you are willing to obey God, are you also willing to take him up on these challenges to, to pray, to believe? I mean, when we see a weather event or something like that, especially the big weather events. This summer, several of my son's tournaments were in Joplin. And there's just a whole section of Joplin that's brand new because it was wiped away by a terrible tornado. I mean, when we think about forces of nature like that, we feel so small. And yet God's word is telling us that the power of Jesus is above and beyond that power. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody wasn't praying in Joplin. That's not the point. There's so many things that happen in this world that we can't understand, and there's no easy explanations. But hear this. My point is, is that here in the text, Elijah was able to pray and to control something by God's grace that was far beyond his capacity. And all that I believe God's word is telling us is our dreams are too small, that our vision of God's power is too little. And what God's word is telling us is not to think less of God's power, not to expect less of his spirit's work, but to clamor and to cry out for more. To pray and to pray believing. A person of common faith will have uncommon spiritual power in prayer. The great men and women of our age are not the ones writing books or standing in pulpits. The great men and women of our age are in love with Jesus and talking to him every day and interceding for each of us. When we get to heaven, we're going to see that the powerful giants of our age were the prayer warriors. And right now I'm going to ask you, to begin a journey to be that prayer warrior in your own right. I was about 17, 16, 17 years old. A friend of mine and I, we bought an old John boat. And we'd go fishing out in the bottoms near the Ohio River. I know most of you cannot imagine me doing such a thing, uh, but I used to love to do that. We'd go into these old, old backwoods water holes and we would catch fish and have a good time. Well, one time we uh, were back in one of those way back places and got the truck stuck. Uh, it wasn't four-wheel drive, and so we got it uneven, and the one tire was spinning, and we were stuck. The nearest place, I don't know how far it was. It's probably like two or three miles, but it might as well have been 30 because I had to run to the nearest house. We had ran out of water. We didn't have anything to drink. I was so thirsty, and I remember, and this is so silly, I remember we were running through these cornfields or beside these cornfields, and I remember getting like a not even ripe, uh, ear of corn and trying to get liquid out of it. And if you've ever done that, you know how horrible that is. That's desperate. 
I thought that was a better idea than the muddy ditch water, but you know, you know, that was desperate. I don't think the church is going to experience revival until we get thirsty like that and really want to experience Jesus. Let me ask you another question. Are you in love with Jesus? Because the person who prays fervently is proving their love for Jesus. In the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, God has helped me to become more and more desperate for prayer. Good men in my life like Johnny and others have pushed me past my comfort zone to pray and to seek the Lord. If I say to you as we conclude this sermon, if the application is, hey, pray more, everybody goes, okay, and then you walk out of this room and you go about your business and nothing changes. So as I was thinking about the way we needed to close this, it's not good enough for me to just say, hey, pray more. My hope is that you'll begin to get desperate. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.